The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. A big darn deal. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Why the hell couldn't you tell me about a phone? Woodward says phones aren't safe. Can't trust them. Come on in. We can't come inside. Woodward says there's electronic surveillance. Surveillance is doing it's it. It's being done. People's lives are in danger. Maybe even ours. What happened to that justice source of yours? Well, I guess I made the instructions too complicated because he thought I said hang out when I just said hang on. Oh, Jesus. The story is right. Alderman was the fifth name to control that fund, and Sloan would have told the grand jury. Sloan wanted to tell the grand jury. Why didn't he? Because nobody asked asked him. The cover-up had little to do with the break-in. It was to protect covert operations. The covert activities involved the entire U.S. intelligence community. Did Deep Throat say that people's lives are in danger? Yes. What else did he say? He said everyone is involved. You know the results of the latest Gallup poll? Half the country never even heard of the word Watergate. Nobody gives a shit. You guys are probably pretty tired, right? Well, you should be. Go on home. Get a nice hot bath. Rest up 15 minutes. Then get your asses back in gear. We're under a lot of pressure, you know, and you put us there. Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. But if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. We could not talk or talk forever and still find things to not talk about. The Bob Seska Show. I don't even know whether we should start the show yet, because I'm half expecting that as soon as as soon as we really dig in today, that goddamn Nunez memo is going to drop and we're going to be completely screwed because no one's going to want to hear about what we're talking about today. Everyone's going to want to just hear about the Nunez memo, which yeah. could end up falling on our laps uh, or on our heads any damn second. So let's just dive in and, and what will be will be and... Hopefully it won't happen. Not until tomorrow, at least. It is uh, Thursday, February 1, 2018. It is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world, Bubble Genius. Uh, You know, Jackie Schechner was supposed to be here today, but uh, (laughs) because of the goddamn fire hose of news, here it is. Just blasting us in the face, that fire hose of news. Uh, because of that, and because Jackie Schechner runs investigate org, 
She has to be prepared to get something up on the site as soon as the Nunes memo drops. Plus, there's about a thousand other stories going on with regard to Trump and Russia. This Russia thing with Trump and Russia. And uh, <laughs> that's all that's all happening as we speak. So uh, we're going to bring in Kimberly Johnson here. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Here she is, the author of Peyton's Choice, American Woman, The Virgin Diaries. And I think you had another collection of books actually that you wanted to plug this morning huh oh yeah actually um my mother is a a writer of thrillers much Mm -hmm. like stephen king and um dean Koontz type Mm -hmm. so anyway one of her books is called crazy another one is dreams and nightmares and she's also got cooper's grove and they're all on amazon her name is Anne werner w-e-r-n-e-r anyway she has a box set called three to thrill so i think it's got the uh, cooper's grove and crazy and uh Dreams and nightmares, and I just want to say that crazy is my f- what I I always say my it's my favorite when I read whatever she's written, but I think yeah. crazy is my favorite because it's a a serial killer, a, a book about a serial killer, and there's a twist to it, mm-hmm. but the lead character is kind of me. Oh, see there, I you know what I didn't know that it is kind of you. See, I thought it was one of your friends, like well, you based it. it's there's two lead characters. Okay, so one of them is me. Okay. And it's and and I think in the book her name is Emily Simonson, and she's an author, and um, and I'm an author, and you know there's a lot of similarities. I mean there's a lot of differences. It's very loosely based on. Is, me. is she a feminazi slut? Just of course like she you. is. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, definitely go buy go buy the. So three anyway, to it's thrill. called the Three to Thrill. It's on Amazon and Werner. Check it out because she write. I I gotta say, my mom's done a lot of things in her life, and I think the best the best thing she's ever done is is as a writer. Crazy. Oh, are you well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, cra- I mean, she she oh, okay, sold cars. She she even dressed up as clowns and and went to kids' birthday parties. Yeah. <laughs> she's done everything. She's been a bartender. Yeah, she's been everything in the car business you can imagine. So anyway, well, she's could- a good and she's an actor. She was an actor. Right. Well, you can buy her books through our Amazon link. Yes. Of course. Don't forget to do that. And you can buy Kimberly's books through our Amazon link also. Peyton's yeah, you Choice. You want to read Peyton's Choice about Peyton's Choice. Uh, teen abortion. Woohoo! Can people reserve a copy of Peyton's Choice sequel, Peyton's <laughs> Choice 2, Peyton's <laughs> Fetus Rides the Rails? See, I don't think the free show people no, are familiar. No, I don't think they know. Because, because that's Bob's joke. Kimberly's usually, usually on the after party, and we always joke about the sequels to Peyton's Choice, where in, in Peyton's Choice, there's a 17-year-old girl who gets into this relationship and she ends up having an abortion, and we were joking one night that wouldn't it be funny to do a sequel that retcons the, the previous book, and instead of having the abortion, Peyton's fetus escapes and then becomes like a hobo riding the rails. <laughs> and then fetus a, hobo. A, a fetus hobo eventually makes making his way all the way up to Alaska and then joining a, a crab boat fishing crew. <laughs> I don't like that's That's the sort of thing that you get on the uh, the after party on our Patreon page. But Yeah, we're just a tad crude. <laughs> but in the meantime, go to our Amazon link, our all caps Amazon link at bobsuska.com and you can uh, click over to the front page of Amazon and you can buy everything you could possibly imagine, including Kimberly's books, including Kimberly's mom's books, uh, uh, Ann Warner, and, uh, and all of that fun stuff. So, um, yeah, and don't forget it's W E. Some people w- think it's e. Warner. So yeah, it's, did I? I kind of said Warner. Yeah, and so I, it's W E R N E R A N N. It's Warner, right? Um, Jesus, so much stuff to get to today. I don't even know where to begin. I I had a big uh, 
uh, fracas yesterday with Jack Posobiec, <laughs> who's uh, one of the the boy alt right, one of the boys from the alt right, and I mm-hmm. say I say boy because he looks like he's twelve years old, and uh, he kind of scolded me on Twitter yesterday, and then all of his uh, flying monkeys descended into my mentions, which made it really easy to block a bunch of Russian trolls. That was great. I, <laughs> I had a really good time yesterday blocking maybe a thousand Russian trolls who popped into my my mentions. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into Jack Posobiec uh, on the on the main part of the show. We're gonna talk about Jack Posobiec uh, over on the uh, the postmortem show. So we're gonna circle back to that. If you're subscribed on our our Patreon page, uh, you can click our, our Patreon link uh, just beneath the logo at bobseska.com and go there and sign up, and, and you can listen to the postmortem show there. So we're gonna we're gonna delay that because there's so much stuff. Um, and, and you know we mentioned the fire hose of news quite a bit. Usually it's the uh, we, we were doing the, the tennis ball machine for a while, which was from the Stephanie Miller show. And it's it's no longer that. It's just become an ongoing uh, assault of, of the news. Constantly, we're getting constantly hit with one thing after another. And I, I realized yesterday that this could actually be weaponized. This whole process of the the fire hose of news. And the way that it can be weaponized is if you want to get away with something, all you got to do is flood the news cycle with thousands of items on a on an ongoing base just constant 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 you know but that does take some skill that's one one thing donald trump does know how to do very well right so i i don't know that everyone could do that yeah at least not the way he does yeah so for whatever that's worth yeah well you have to be prepared to get your hands dirty because Mm -hmm. it does require having an ongoing flood of of problems and, and 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 one crisis after another and Donald Trump is really good at doing that. That's what he's always done. I don't know that he'll get away with anything either, though. But, I, really, but, I don't think he will. But the way this can be weaponized is if you do that, yeah. people won't have time to focus on any one scandal, just making everything. It, it's like it's like if, a, if an activist group is screaming too much and and too constantly yeah. eventually the the people they're trying to influence all they hear is white noise it's just not it's nothing but shh, it's just nothing but the the it's really the the fire hose of news sound right? you, you can't you can't fight your way through that so uh what ends up happening is no one's ever held accountable if you can't focus on any single news story as it whizzes on by and and I found out last night that of course this is an old Russian trick. This is a, a feature of Russian propaganda, and there, there's four basic features, distinctive features of the contemporary model for Russian propaganda. Number one, high volume and multi-channel information. That's basically high volume is basically the fire hose of news. Constant, constant, constant assault with with news and, and items and propaganda. Number two, rapid, continuous, and repetitive. So it is those number one and number two are sort of connected, forming that fire hose. Number three lacks commitment to objective reality. Have we seen that quite a bit lately, especially? And number four lacks commitment to consistency. So it's just like, oh, but they just said, but now they're saying, but didn't they just say before? And it was that other thing. And now they're contradicting themselves. That's what we're all experiencing right now. And it's, it's basically a product of Russia. 
and and going back to even the, the Soviet Union days as well, and where it was really developed at that point in time, but continues to be weaponized by these old cold warriors like Vladimir Putin, who's got one. He just really wishes that he could go back to the old Soviet style autocracy but with the features of the oligarchy that they have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the kleptocracy is, is, is a better way to describe what's going on in Russia at this point. So, uh, so that kind of explains what we're experiencing right now. And I would be not very surprised to learn that, uh, that this is what Donald Trump is doing, that Donald Trump is actually employing this kind of, of propaganda technique borrowed directly from Russia. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Okay, so... Um, so obviously, lots of Trump Russia to talk about today. But uh, before we do that, uh, obviously, Tuesday night was the uh, the State of the Union address. And I know by popular demand, I'm not going to play any of this State of the Union address clips. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I got lots of messages from saying, Bob. <laughs> Bob, 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 come on, Bob. Oh, OK, Bob, Bob, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you ever have kids, yeah. dad, dad, dad. Dad, Bob, don't play any clips from the State of the Union because Trump's voice will apparently send people into seizures or something. People just freak out indiscriminately if they hear Trump's voice at this point. But I, I so I'm not going to play any clips, but I do have a few observations to make. First of all, Trump was in full and this isn't really getting a lot of play, but Trump was in full sleepy grandpa mode. <laughs> Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. Just he sometimes has this thing where he's delivering a teleprompter address. And of course, there's nothing wrong with using a teleprompter. It's just that he's terrible at it. He just sucks at talking, uh, reading off a teleprompter. Because what ends up happening is he's such a slow reader. It sounds like a guy clobbered him in the chest with an old timey medicine ball. Like he was just, he sounded like he got the wind knocked out of him. Like, remember, he used to play in, in school, he used to play those, uh, those human wheelbarrow games where someone would grab your ankles and then you would use your hands and, and, and walk along and then invariably you would drop and, and, and land on your chest and knock the wind out of yourself. That's what Trump sounded like for, what was it, an hour and a half <laughs> Tuesday night. In fact, I felt the need, we should bring this out again. We used to use this for Ben Carson, but this was Sleepy Grandpa. Yeah. Here, I'm just going to read a, 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 a section of the beginning of the... Uh, State of the Union address from the other night. If there is a frontier, <laughs> we cross it. If there is a challenge, we tame it. If there is an opportunity, we seize it. We're gonna make our dreams come true. <laughs> doing it our way. You know, so like, that's not what he said. He didn't say we're gonna make our dreams come true. That's the Laverne and Shirley theme. But that's the first part was actually from his speech. And that's kind of how... He was delivering the address. <laughs> it's just like, he, oh boy, Grandpa's sleepy. Grandpa better take a nap. We could take uh, Grandpa's slice of cake away and he's going to have to go lay down for a little bit because he's so tired. He's so tired. Grandpa's up past his bedtime. Aww. <laughs> so, uh, oh, the other thing I noticed too is, um, and, and I don't think anyone's talking about this either, uh, with regard to his call for one5 billion dollars in infrastructure spending Mm -hmm. you should read that not as 1.5 billion dollars for infrastructure roads bridges etc but 1.5 billion dollars in cuts 
Look at it this way. It's $1.5 billion in cuts to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and, and uh, Obamacare subsidies because that's how, that's how they're going to sell it. That's how they're going to end up trying to, uh, to make this happen. And the Democrats should not take the bait. I know infrastructure is good. Barack Obama tried to, to spend a lot of money on infrastructure, first in his stimulus package, which, remember the, remember the road signs? You're driving around and you'd see the road signs for the American uh, uh, Recovery Act yes. uh, construction project. So that happened, but not without a lot of opposition from the Republicans. Remember the Republicans called it the porculus bill <laughs> when uh, Obama was trying to pass the stimulus? Uh, and, uh, so now the Republicans are, are digging in <laughs> big time on the, uh, on the infrastructure front, uh, $1.5 billion again, which means, which obviously means that they're going to pay for this by cutting what they call entitlements. Okay. Meanwhile, the, uh, the Trumpers are crapping their cages because the Democrats didn't stand during applause breaks, which is, seems strange to me, given that that's normally what most opposition parties do in the state of the union. That's what's happened in every televised state of the union in the history of the country. And suddenly now this is something that, uh, that the opposition party gets scolded for. If you well, don't, and, and, and if you, um, Consider that standing and applauding for somebody who's being accused of sexual assault by 20 right. different women and um, under investigation by the FBI for possible treason, you know, I mean, I don't think they should have stood. And I think the argument, Stana Milbank made an argument in the New York Times um, that I just thought was ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, who, who's going to stand for someone who is, you know, um, selling the country to the Russians? Right. Well, you know, Dana Milbank ought to know better. Uh, you know, for... Donald Trump Jr. has been screaming about this on Twitter for the last uh, uh, two, three days, and uh, and he doesn't know anything. So I kind of get it. He's wrong. and He's horrendously wrong. But I kind of understand because Donald Trump Jr. is an idiot. But Dana Milbank's been covering politics for decades now, right? And 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 suddenly he doesn't realize he's, he's behaving as if he's never seen the State of the Union address where the, the president says one thing, but the opposition party. I mean, for God's sake, the Republicans during a, a, a joint session about uh, health care in the fall of what was it, 2009? They not only sat on their hands throughout the whole thing, which is, of course, that's pretty much what happens during uh, joint session addresses with the opposition party. But one of the one of the Republicans yelled, you lie at, at Obama. And I'm not saying the Democrats should necessarily have gone that far. But sitting down or not applauding uh, the president during a State of the Union address is completely normal. Completely normal. Well, and, and also consider, you know, when John Boehner was speaker and his sourpuss faces that he would make all the time behind oh, yeah, Obama. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Trump today was uh, was was I guess he was speaking at the Republican retreat, I believe. And here's what Trump said about all of this. And again, I I'm saying this and I'm reading this because it's it's just not normal. It's just not normal for this. And that's the one thing that I kept going back to during the State of the Union. Donald Trump is delivering a State of the Union address. Donald Trump, the guy with the weird hair, the reality show celebrity, the, the tabloid diva is up there reading a State of the Union address. This is how... And a lot of them know a lot more than we do. Right. So, you know, they've, they've been uh, privy to information about what he's done. Yeah. Um, so... Whatever. I think this is the stupidest argument I ever heard. It, <laughs> it's, really? tr it's trying to normalize this 
um, basically Russian takeover. Going back to what Trump said here today at this retreat, he said, that's something very, very special. And when I made that statement the other night, there was zero move. Oh, he's talking about uh, jobs. There was zero movement from the Democrats. They sat there stone cold, no smile, no applause. Oh, poor Donald Trump. Oh, poor, sad Donald Trump. No one, no one from the Democratic Party applauded his... Well, not according to his Facebook page when he was thanking everybody for all the compliments. (laughs) Right. They sat there stone cold. It's like my brother when he was a little boy used to ask (laughs) my father, how good am I? (laughs) Right. That's what he was doing. No smile, no applause. You would have thought that with that one, they would have sort of at least clapped a little bit, which tells you perhaps they would rather not see And then he was clapping for himself. Yeah, he was clapping for himself, right? And then, uh, and then he was doing that thing where he was leaning his head way back so his dewlap wasn't as bulbous. <laughs> Jesus God. Uh, meanwhile, he was supposed to say this line. Everyone's still recovering in Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, California, and everywhere else. We are with you. We love you. And we will pull through together. But did you notice he skipped California? skipped right past california donald trump would read donald trump's like ron burgundy anything you put up on the teleprompter he's going to read it this one he decided to skip california Hmm. i think that's all you need to know yeah that's all it's so revealing isn't it uh meanwhile trump said it was his the most watched state of the union in history which is God, which is not true. Which is a complete lie. He said here on Twitter, thank you for all of the nice compliments and reviews on the state of the union speech. 45.6 million people watched the highest number in history. Fox news beat every other network for the first time ever with 11.7 million people tuning in delivered from the heart. (laughs) This is a complete non sequitur at the very end delivered from the heart. He has to use every single character yeah. that's available to him to work something in there. So uh, just by way of uh, of uh, repeating the official record, Barack Obama, 48 million viewers on 11 outlets in 2010. George W. Bush, 52 million in, on eight outlets in 2002. These are all the, the first states of the union delivered mm-hmm. by these various presidents. Bill Clinton, 45.8 million viewers on four outlets in 1994. Donald Trump only with the <laughs> with what forty six point uh, or forty five point six. Yeah, Donald Donald Trump with the, the, the lowest rated uh, first state of the union of any president out of the last four presidents. Somber, so somber, so sad and somber. Donald Trump taking a nap on national television for an hour and a half. You know, I can only, if, if you're a normal viewer, if you're just like a regular non-political person and, uh, you know, like as Chris Matthews said, if you're tuning in for like Dancing with the Stars and oops, the State of the Union's on and you turn it on and you hear weird grandpa somnambulating his way through an hour and a half worth of gar- garbledy gook and, and patriotic bromides, <laughs> you're just going to go right to fucking mm-hmm. sleep. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not an interesting or insp- it had nothing to do with his personality. It was clearly written. I, I heard it was written by Pence, but whatever. It was written by somebody else. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, he got a few ad libs in there occasionally, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really Trump. Yeah. So the people who were watching him and love Trump didn't get what they want. Right. And everybody else hates him no matter what he says. Yeah. But do you think that the Trumpers accept, okay, that's, 
That's teleprompter Trump. Yeah, I think so. That's sleeping. I think they make excuses for him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they do. I guess that whatever he does, they're they're going to accept whatever he does. Yeah, but- I mean, and then he, he got a thumbs up, two thumbs up from David Duke. So... <laughs> Well, Former KKK Grand Wizard. I'm going steady and I French kiss. Yeah, well, everybody does that. Yeah, but daddy says I'm the best at it. <laughs> That's whenever I see these guys mentioning yeah. like, oh, like Orrin Hatch said I'm the greatest president in the world. That's what Trump said this morning at the region. Orrin Hatch said I'm the world's greatest president, and that even includes Lincoln and Washington. That's what Trump said this morning. That's basically like saying mommy thinks I'm the best at being yeah. president. Well, yeah, great. So your mom thinks you're doing well. So your your loyal uh, uh, party associates think that you're doing a good job. Tell me something that is actually valuable <laughs> that has no bearing in reality whatsoever. Um, so, okay, let's uh, enough of the State of the Union. Let's switch over to stupid Watergate, which is just, I mean, one one story after another continues to break on this. It has been like this forever, but especially now. Now, do you think... This is because we're getting to a point of critical mass here. Uh, do you think we're we're getting to the point where we're on this ramp up right now, where it looks like we're headed somewhere huge, and we don't know whether it's going to be good huge or bad huge or a combination of bad and good huge, and it's just everything is starting to explode. I, I get that sense myself. Yeah, I mean, I, I last night um, Rick Wilson said that he spoke with some ghost. What did he call him? It was a ghost source Ghost or something source, like that yeah. IC source yeah. who said shit's gonna hit the fan and he said what well I think I think part of it is the fact that the Nunes thing like basically expect shit shit hitting the fan if the Nunes memo comes out right um, but beyond that I think that yeah I think everything's gonna get amplified and I, I've said this I said this on the after party and on uh, yeah on the after party and then on my show yesterday on your show yeah um, that you know it, there's like talk mm-hmm out there between whether it's um uh malcolm nance or some people who have ic sources or whatever long story short is that this spring there's there's going to be all kinds of um leaks and bombshells like we haven't seen i mean there was the one guy whose name i can never remember but he was he's a historian and he said uh he's a history professor and he's accurately predicted the last, uh, all the presidents from 1984 all the way up until Trump. Yeah. Accurately predicted Trump. So he thinks that the world, the country is going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. And um, that, you know, basically what we learn will force the G- uh, GOP to um, start impeachment. But I don't think they're well. No. But I think that there will be a lot of information that's coming out in the next couple of months. That's, it's, I think it's going to be monumental. Yeah. I mean, it really, it, I, I wonder though, it's like, what could, what would, I, I think we're shocked anyway. Yeah. We're all shocked now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, what could be more shocking than what's already, you know, it's like part of it is, oh, well, when we see, I think that that um, historian mentioned, mentioned that the shock, part of the shock would come from money laundering or something mm-hmm. like that. And that's not going to shock me. <laughs> no. Uh, none, none of that's going to shock me. Yeah. Um, Although I, I, I hopefully I'm surprised and, and I'll, I'll be like, wow, I wasn't even expecting that. But yeah. I mean, I just, I, I feel like I'm expecting everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, clearly uh, the Russian mob and, and, and Trump are buddy, buddy, and we're going to find out all kinds of shit. 
Um, but what is that going to mean? Is the GOP going to do anything? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's how I'm interpreting that as far as the shock value of, of forthcoming news. And and again, we're looking at March. I think, Mal- as you said, Malcolm mm-hmm. Nance was talking about some indictments coming down in March, some shocking news some happening. Then. Yeah. I, and I think we're just we're, we're building up to that point right yeah, now. I think it's coming. And what the people who are going to be shocked are going to be the Trumpers and the Fox News viewers. Yeah, who, but they'll be shocked, but then they're just they're not going to accept it. Yeah, they're no, they're not. They won't accept it. They won't accept it at all. And but initially, they're going to be blindsided, yeah. and it's going to sort of be like that Sean Hannity moment from last right. week, where he said, "Oh, Trump tried to fire Mueller. Oh, that's fake news from the New York Times." And then fast forward two minutes. Well, our sources tell us that yes, uh, this actually did happen. Fox News reports that that, but I'm not going to talk about that. Right, we're going to save that till tomorrow. Instead, we're going to show you <laughs> this car crash because, of course, th- we need to be metaphorical about everything. So there it was, and uh, and that's going to sort of. I think that's going to be the reaction when the very when the some of the news that we've been following, uh, especially the stuff that Rachel Maddow's been reporting on over the past year. Um, that stuff is stuff that hasn't been known by a lot of the Fox News people. Like, for, for, well, here's and this is not necessarily ru- uh, Russia related, but you know, do you really think the Fox News people have a have a firm sense? And I'm not talking about the Fox News producers and anchors. I'm talking about the viewers. Do you think they have a sense of how many people have been fired or resigned from the Trump administration? No, because you pretty much have to watch Rachel Maddow. Yeah. to know the list. And anyone who does is probably looking at that and going, "Oh, well, that every administration does that." And it isn't because, like, I guess uh, Rachel even said last night, it's I think Obama's administration had about a third. A third. That's right. A third. So there's two big columns that Rachel puts up on the screen behind her. Two big columns of, of positions of people that have been fired or replaced over the past year. Only a third of those uh, are what happened during the first year of Barack Obama. And remember, the first year of Barack Obama featured the world's most colossal recession in the world, mm-hmm. a massive fight over the stimulus, a massive fight over Obamacare, which lasted into 2010. Um, and then all kinds of chaos and intrigue happening. I mean, there was a fight going on uh, behind the scenes between Obama and Rahm Emanuel, who was his chief of mm-hmm. staff. All this crap was going on behind the scenes, and yet they only had a third of the firings of the Trump administration now. He gets, I get the best people. Always, always the best people. So uh, speaking of the White House, at this point, uh, the White House is concerned that the memo is a dud. Mm-hmm. This is this this is this comes to us from Axios. This is re- really revealing because this is something I've been talking about for at least a week now with regard to the uh, the Nunes memo, which is that if it turns out to be a nothing burger, then the Trump administration and Devin Nunes and all of Devin Nunes's uh, confederates inside the uh, House Intelligence Committee. There, they will have effectively exposed a major Trump campaign aide, Carter Page, as being. I mean, they're basically tacitly confessing that Carter Page is most likely guilty of of being a foreign agent for the Russian government, conspiring with uh, Russian operatives in part to help to hijack the uh, 2016 election. Mm-hmm. And so that's the danger for for Trump and the White House in this. That's why this is going to turn out badly for Donald Trump. And I think his the people around him are beginning to recognize that yeah, this is a very real possibility. The the damning nature of the of the memo, whatever they're trying to gin up with regard to 
surveillance law and FISA, that's going to be that's going to turn out to be basically nothing. They're going to find out that whether it was the the FISA court, whether it was Rod Rosenstein, whether it was any of the agents, whether it was the p- pursuit of ongoing warrants for surveillance against Carter, Carter Page, they're going to find out that all of that stuff was completely on the level, right? And then all that's left is oh shit, <laughs> I guess this means Carter Page is guilty. That's that's what they're exposing to the public that that all this crap is going to end up being deemed to be perfectly legal, mm-hmm. and then they're exposing Carter Page to further legal jeopardy, at yeah. least in the public view. So <laughs> finally, they're beginning to recognize that what maybe maybe this is not such a good idea, huh? It gives me a little bit of hope, anyway. Yeah, I think there's a lot of hope in, in this memo. I, I'm actually quite encouraged about seeing this memo. I mean, obviously, at this point, we're hearing about redactions going on. They're going to redact some, I believe, some names, possibly, but possibly some top secret information as far as methods and sources and things like that. Uh, and then ultimately, it's just going to drop and. It's going to be basically what we know about surveillance law, which is that it's perfectly legal for the intelligence community or law enforcement, in this case, the FBI, to go to the FISA court and say, we have all this evidence that Carter Page is doing uh, some illegal shit uh, with Russian operatives. Can we get a warrant to conduct surveillance on Carter Page? FISA court, which is a panel of judges, they all go through the information and they debate about it. And then they say, okay, go ahead, go do it. And then Rod Rosenstein has to go back every 90 days to renew that warrant, right? And so this is all uh, ostensibly done within the parameters of the law. And we're going to see that bear out. Any legal expert, any uh, intelligence community expert is going to look at this memo Whenever it happens to drop, I don't know, it could be right. It could, it could already be public by now, as I'm saying this. Uh, they're going to look at this memo and they're going to say, what's, what's wrong with all of this? This is within the law. I mean, you can debate whether or not the law is a violation of civil liberties. There's a, there's a separate debate to be had as to whether or not the FISA law, whether or not surveillance of American citizens is being conducted in a way that's constitutional. We can talk about that later. Right now, what we're talking about is whether or not these particular individuals inside the Department of Justice acted legally in surveilling Carter Page. And th- the thing that's going to drive the, the Fox News people, uh, Donald Trump Jr., everyone who's been screaming about this Nunes memo, release the memo, et cetera, what's going to drive them up a wall is they're going to spin this as being some sort of illegal uh, a violation of Carter Page's civil liberties, as if there can't be any surveillance. A of- violation of the Russian agents' civil <laughs> civil liberties. Right. Yes. Yeah. And they're going to make it. They make it seem as if that it's illegal or somehow unconstitutional for law enforcement to conduct surveillance against American citizens. And it's not, it's not, since when is that illegal? You can do, you can get a a search warrant from a judge. You can get a warrant. Even local cops can get a warrant to have someone followed or put a, they don't even need a warrant to put uh, patrol cars outside someone's house that they want to keep an eye on. This is something that goes on at every level of law enforcement from the local Mayberry Sheriff on up to Jeff Sessions and Rod Rosenstein at the uh, Department of Justice. This is something that is standard operating procedure. When you find out that someone 
some American citizen is engaged in some sort of malfeasance. If you've got enough evidence that he's going to be doing something wrong or is in the process of doing something wrong, you can get a warrant to keep an eye on that person. I don't see how that could possibly be construed as being in any way illegal or unconstitutional. Okay, well, but they called Obama lawless for like six years. Yeah, so. <laughs> there's that. Tra- there's also the hypocrisy side of all of this. Meanwhile, uh, as we uh, as we heard yesterday, and uh, uh, Rachel Maddow, of course, covered this uh, extensively last night. Devin Nunes refused to say whether he worked with Trump's team on composing the memo. He said to uh, when asked about this by uh, several uh, members of the the committee, Democratic members, I forget it was if it was. Sewell, uh, Adam Schiff, or Congressman Himes. I forget which one was asking Nunes about this. Uh, but Nunes basically refused to answer. At first he said, no, no, I didn't get any help. But how would he know? Because he's recused. Mm-hmm. Basically, this memo was a product of his staff, which isn't recused. His staff, very possible that his staff worked with, uh, with the, uh, the White House to compose this thing. I could completely see that. Mainly because Nunes has worked with the White House on 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 previous previous occasions to flummox the uh, Russia investigation. Yeah. There's a precedent for all of this, and uh, and so it, it wouldn't shock us to to learn that Nunes and the White House did this memo, worked on this memo, wrote this memo uh, together in cahoots with each other. So and eventually, as he was pressed on this line of questioning. He eventually basically said, well, no, no, next question, we're moving on. Or what did he do? Did he call a recess or something like that? Basically, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. I can't remember the details. Yeah, but he, I just I, I do remember that there was like where he were a, a portion where he didn't even answer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think he went to the next uh, the next question or, or adjourned for the day. Yeah. I think that was how it went in the transcript. But uh, speaking of Nunez's staff, a lawyer uh, on Nunez's staff who helped draft the memo was once slapped with an order of ineptitude. <laughs> I have no idea what that actually is or that they, you know, if, if this is something that often happens, but an order Can of ineptitude. Can we slap Trump with one of those? <laughs> that would be, per- be perfectly timed. Uh, congressional staffer who wrote the controversial memo for Devin Nunes was once bench slapped by a federal judge for ineptitude. Cash Patel. A top Nunez staffer and senior counsel for the House Intelligence Committee traveled to London last summer to question the former British spy who wrote the Trump-Russia dossier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's shocking to discover that someone on Devin Nunez's staff would be just so inept. Yeah, really? <laughs> I know. So it's so shocked. Meanwhile, uh, Chris Ray is not prepared to quit over the Nunez memo. By the way, we have to go to, but we're way late for a break here in a second, but uh, Chris Ray is earlier. The report was that Chris Ray was threatening to quit if the Nunes memo went public, uh, specifically if Donald Trump decided to okay the release of the memo. Uh, Chris Ray was going to resign over that, but he's decided now, according to Pete Alexander from NBC News, uh, Chris Ray is not. Here's the actual tweet breaking. FBI Director Chris Ray has no intention of quitting if controversial House Intel memo is released despite his objections. Pete Williams, That's NBC good. reports. Yeah, so at least there's, at least there's that. I mean, here we are cheering on a Trump appointee to the head of the FBI when he's deciding not to quit over Trump exposing uh, all kinds of uh, t- top secret information to the public just because Trump wants to protect his own ass. So here's here's how weird it is, people. Really, really weird. All right, so. 
Lots to still talk about. Lots to get to still today. We got to talk about Peter Strzok. We got to talk about something from the Captain Obvious file that'll be coming up here in a second. Hope Hicks. And uh, God, that only covers about half of what we have to talk about today. So, meanwhile, though, it's time to talk about getting uh, tickets to to sporting events and concerts. I love going to concerts. I love blasting my eardrums <laughs> for some reason. And what makes it even more fun is to get your concert tickets or your sporting event tickets through SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, e- smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, uh, planning a night out, or uh, need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with just a few taps on my phone, I can instantly find seats uh, with SeatGeek. So you t- save time and money while it does the searching for you on dozens of ticket sites, comparing prices and finding amazing deals. And SeatGeek grades every ticket to get you the best bang for your buck suited to your budget. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of concert ticket, uh, sports, concerts, comedy, theater. And best of all, my listeners get 20 bucks off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, right? And enter the promo code BOBC. Do that right now. That's promo code BOBC. Again, BOBC for $20 off your first purchase. Purchase from SeatGeek. The Bob Seska Show. The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Okay, the fire hose of news continues on our Thursday show. Kimberly Johnson from, uh, oh, the Huffington Post. and uh, Peyton's Choice, an American woman, and the Virgin Diaries is here today. Uh, and I'm also the media director for We Are Woman. Yes, national media director for We Are Woman. And uh, is there their Facebook page for We Are Woman? Yes. Go to it then. What is it? <laughs> we what Are is, Woman. Oh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash We Are Woman. Well, there it is. And it's woman, not women. So it, what, do people often mistake that? They well, put it in I the mean, wrong you know, occasionally, I think people are used to We Are Women. Or something, oh, you know, I like, see. So the so it's we are woman. It's a, like, it's a, I am woman. Hear me roar. Yeah, we are woman. exactly. Right, right, right. Okay, so uh, digging back in here, uh, this was this seems like it was a year ago, and it was just yesterday. Trump apparently asked uh, Rod Rosenstein for his loyalty in a, at a meeting in the White House uh, back in December. Uh, this is an exclusive to CNN. And of course, we all know how much Trump loves CNN. (laughs) Trump asked Rosenstein if he was, quote unquote, on my team. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein visited the White House in December seeking President Donald Trump's help. The top Justice Department official in the Russia investigation wanted Trump's support in fighting off document demands from House Intelligence Chairman Devin Nunes. But the president had other priorities ahead of a key appearance uh, by Rosenstein on the Hill. According to sources familiar with the meeting, Trump wanted to know where the special counsel's Russia investigation was heading. Of course. Wrong. Not not like he doesn't have lawyers to do this. He just has to watch Rachel Maddow and he can figure that out. <laughs> That's right. I still think he's afraid of Rachel. Yeah, I think I he's, agree. I, think he's I don't even know if he can. I, I don't think he could watch her. You know, it's kind of like um, occasionally uh, I go to Chicks on the Right Facebook page because right. I need to gauge, you know, what, what the Tea Party people are saying. Yeah. And there are days that I just can't look. 
Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm curious, but I'm too afraid to look because I feel like whatever I'm going to see, it's just going to freak me the fuck out. And I feel <laughs> like um, that's what Trump must feel like yeah. about Rachel. Like he can't watch it because it's just going to completely freak out. Yeah, it's just going to be a, a, a liquid diarrhea. Yeah. All over the place. Right. <laughs> as soon as Trump tunes, in, he's like, oh, shit, she's on to me. <laughs> And I anyway, I don't think he could understand anything she says. <laughs> That's right. She uses too many big words. She she says she says a little bit more than tremendous. And <laughs> believe me, right? She she needs this. She this needs I can to, tell you. She needs to slow down. <laughs> I this I can tell you. This I can tell you. Believe me, <laughs> I'm falling asleep. Good night, everybody. <laughs> that was Trump during his State of the Union address. So yeah, so uh, so this was something that certainly Rachel covered last night. Uh, meanwhile, Peter Strzok, who uh, actually we found out yesterday that Peter Strzok, who's the guy who was with the texts and he yeah. mentioned the secret society and all that. Well, he didn't mention the secret society. The person he was texting with, Lisa Page, mentioned the secret society. But but Peter Strzok is the guy. He's like he's right there uh, at the top of the list next to Andrew McCabe of uh, of people that the uh, the Trumpers are trying to demonize and, and trying to paint as being some sort of criminal on all of this. And of course, we found out yesterday that Peter Strzok co-wrote the Comey letter that was uh, released just before the election. The big James Comey letter about Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin uh, that, that dropped, I don't know, what was it, uh, less than a week before mm-hmm. election day. Um, whether or not that letter actually swung the election i still i know this is like conventional wisdom everyone says well that that letter swung the election to trump i don't believe that it had as big effect as an an effect as as everyone's saying it does i think that the polls were already narrowing at that point and and maybe this letter actually accelerated the narrowing that's that's a possibility i think it accelerated it yeah yeah but certainly did have an effect i don't know that it drove millions of hillary voters or obama voters to vote for trump uh because it was kind of an inside thing but uh so like well, what but I'm this saying was is, such a heated election and i think yeah. that there were a lot of um on the fencers you know people who maybe didn't love her mm-hmm. um but might have been leaning and then oh, this, yeah, yeah. this would have been like, oh, you know what? She's just too filled with scandal. And uh, we we want a president who's not filled with scandal. <laughs> That's right. We don't want a presidency mired deeply in an yeah, ongoing presidency. series of <laughs> scandals. Jesus God. And what did they end up getting? Good. I mean, I, I don't job. know. I, I think it did have an impact. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's it's kind of impossible to truly gauge. Yeah. Um, I obviously the Russian interference had a much bigger impact, but, um, you know, I, I think that it definitely had some impact. Sure. Sure. Well, the main thing with this story though, is it, it pretty much shows us that Peter Strzok is not the hyper partisan pro Hillary guy that, uh, that Donald Trump and Devin Nunes and Donald Trump Jr. And all the rest Fox news channel are insisting that he is. This completely blows that out of the water. And quite frankly, I think all the Trumpers and Fox News Channel owe Peter Strzok uh, an apology. I think they owe the FBI an apology because this this shows us again that no matter what Strzok said privately in, in texts going back and forth, that he still did his job and he did his job in this case 
in a way that uh, shows that he was targeting Hillary Clinton in mm-hmm. some way, uh, even indirectly, because this had more to do with the Anthony Weiner investigation, where it turned out there were some possible emails on Huma Abedin's laptop or something like that, Huma being Anthony Weiner's ex-wife. And, uh, and, and so there was that. But, I mean, you can't, you can't continue to accuse this guy of being, uh, being pro-Hillary and anti-Trump if he actually helped mm-hmm. or at least indirectly helped Trump win. So, so that's that. That's just blown out of the water. I mean, I think you can leave Peter Strzok behind at this point. Well, they mm-hmm. won't, but... It's the idea, like, people are trying to shame... Devin Nunes or something. It's like, there's yeah. no shame. These GOP, like, trying to shame Tommy Laren. It's <laughs> no. impossible. Yeah, you know, they're, they're like robots. Yeah. You just, you can't do it. And believe me, I've been trying. Like, like lately, I've I've just made it into a nice, fun Twitter sport to go after Donald Trump Jr. and Tommy Oh, to- yeah, well, Tommy that's Laren. always fun to do. And then, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think I think there's something to be said for... Um, calling it out, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they, for, for, for people who are paying attention, maybe who don't, who aren't political junkies and they're, and they're looking to other people to get opinions. That's, you know, so when you're screaming shame to whoever that other person can look and form their opinions, but, right. but the person that you're trying to shame is not going to ever feel shame. Oh no. Like, do you think not. Don Jr. is ever going to feel shame? No. Nope, maybe nope, when nope. he's in fucking prison, he will. Yeah. And Don, Don Jr. is just melting down by the second. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's so desperate to use this Nunez memo to help him, uh, to, uh, exonerate himself. It's not going to work. Because and, of the orphans. That's right. But, I, you know, I think it has partly to do with the he fact that... to save the orphans. I bet... Here's a theory of mine. I bet uh, Donald Trump Jr. was subject of... Uh, was the, the target of surveillance. <laughs> and so he wants to discredit the idea right. of the FBI surveilling Trump campaign people mm-hmm. uh, so he can, you know, wiggle his way out of all of this. Yeah. In fact, I mean, haven't we heard bits and pieces of of reports uh, from the Washington Post and the New York Times that uh, that some of Donald Trump Jr.'s statements were caught in intercepts. I know there were some... Yeah. I think there's some Kushner news that, that way, too, that he that his communications were intercepted. You know, this is, this is just how the law works. Mm-hmm. If you're carrying on an ongoing dialogue, whether it's via email, text message, or telephone, with Russian spies... <laughs> <laughs> and you're part of a prominent presidential campaign, you're gonna be you're gonna be targeted with surveillance. That's just that's the way it goes. Because we want to find out what the Russian spies are doing. We want to find out if they've compromised you, Donald Trump Jr., who's not listening to this, but I'm talking <laughs> to him anyway. Uh, that's just the way it goes. That's how the law works, and it's completely above board. There's nothing illegal about it. I mean, it's I guess it's possible to fabricate evidence to and bring that to the FISA court. Yeah, but, but there's, I mean, I isn't it, Jeremy? They, I don't remember any, like, large media outlets, like cable media outlets, talking about the German um, spies and, and, and the, yeah. what they've got. Like, I guess they... Um, oh, you mean you're talking about the other intelligence agencies? Yes, from yes, the other, yes, thank yeah. you. I'm... I'm I'm losing it. But yes, the the other intelligence agencies who have information, I'm not talking about us spying, but I mean, isn't there information that, that was given to uh, American intelligence by like Germany and... Oh, yeah, yeah. So 
I mean, we've been, yeah. I mean, there, there are, of course, uh, what we learned, one of the things, one of the many things, in fact, that we learned through Edward Snowden and the, his uh, stolen NSA documents is that uh, they're a group of, uh, of uh, Western nations called the Five Eyes, and they all exchange, uh, readily exchange uh, intelligence back and forth between them. And, uh, and and that's one of many ways to keep uh, terrorism check in check, keep some of these hostile regimes, North Korea and so on in check. And that's that's just what we do. And if and if that involves saying, you know, Germany saying to uh, the NSA, oh, look, you know, we got we've been following these Russian spies because they've been trying to interfere in our election. And we just want you to let you know that they're communicating with U.S. persons uh, who are also involved in your election. You might want to you might want to take a look at this information. Yeah. And then, of course, the intelligence community inside the United States goes, oh, yeah, please, gimme. <laughs> gimme, 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 gimme. And we'll help you. We'll send you something, too. But right now, you need to help us with mm-hmm. this. And so that's just, how it, that's just how it works. There's nothing, there's nothing untoward about it. But the, the, my concern is that uh, it's so easy to take surveillance activities. It's so easy to take... Uh, the the process within the intelligence, certainly the FISA process with getting the FISA court to approve warrants. It's so easy to take that and to spin that as being something that it's not to spin that as being more nefarious than it is. Because if you just say, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier, if you just say to someone, Oh my God, they're spying on Americans. There's American citizens are being spied on. Holy shit. Where is, where's the constitution? Where are civil liberties? But if you actually think rationally about it, this goes on all the time. And I'm not saying that in a way that's, oh, it's illegal activity going all the time. It's going on all the time because this is just something that we've always, always had. There's always been warrants to surveil or search or whatever that you know this is something that is happening most of the time at least in the modern era then there of course have been abuses COINTELPRO uh, certainly there's some of the warrantless eavesdropping that happened during the Bush years which has since expired and which I wouldn't be surprised if Trump was doing it again and we also have to remember too that don't forget in all of this Trump reauthorized the FISA Amendments yeah. Act he reauthorized uh, uh, war, you know, uh, uh, attaining warrants uh, to spy on American citizens through Section 702 of the FISA Amendments Act and mm-hmm. so on. This is something that Trump signed off on. And now they're going to make a case for it being illegal and horrible and unconstitutional. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, well, yeah. Uh, none so of this makes any sense. You've been following the, the Hope Hicks yeah. thing, haven't you? Yes. So Specifically, uh, well, why don't you... Say which, well, what's just, going I, on. I just set it up insofar as Hope Hicks is linked now to the obstruction of justice surrounding the uh, Veselnitskaya meeting and the cover-up that occurred on Air Force One as they were flying home when the news first broke that Don, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, and Paul Manafort all met with about a thousand Russians in Trump Tower mm-hmm. in, in early June Talking about the orphans. Talking about the adoptions, right? Yeah, that was it. They were definitely talking about adoptions. And how Donald Trump uh, himself, the president himself, helped to fabricate the first uh, excuse mm-hmm. about that meeting. And then Hope Hicks apparently said that uh, the uh, uh, Junior's uh, emails about the meeting 
quote unquote, will never get out mm-hmm. because only a few people have access to them. But guess what? Donald Trump Jr., the idiot that he is, ended up releasing those emails yeah. on on Twitter anyway. Mm-hmm. And then and then the guy uh, whose name escapes me, Mark Corallo. Mark, what say it is? Say his name. Mark Corallo. Corallo, and he quit, specifying that he yeah. felt that you know Hope was talking about obstruction of justice as opposed to just innocently saying it because there's been speculation and talk that, you know, she just didn't know any better and she's like, Oh, it'll never get out kind of, as opposed to the more menacing, it'll never get out. You know, we it's no. like from an ob- obstruction standpoint. Right, right, right. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that, uh, was it, I mean, but wasn't there a thing with Joan Walsh? Yesterday yeah. That's too? what I was going to say. Okay. Last night, Joan Walsh is, was basically coming to her defense. Mm-hmm. And so there was all this conversation on Twitter and, you know, people were kind of piling on Joan and, and I'm I'm in agreement with the pilers on. I don't agree with Joan, um, who was taking up for Hope. She's only she's only twenty eight years old and her parents are Democrats and she just got mixed up with a bad crowd. It's like, dude, she's fucking twenty eight years old. She's a grown woman who made grown decisions. Yeah. Um, I will say that uh I think that Hope probably doesn't understand what you know the severity of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Although I'm, I think she does understand to a to a degree, but I think she probably has gotten caught up with a bunch of people. And I think oh, yeah. that I think that um, you know I, I I tweeted out last night because I I've, I saw two sides of the argument, mm-hmm. and one of them that was like, well, it's patriarchy, and she's you know she's just kind of going along with the patriarchy. She's a victim of it. Yeah, to a degree, that's the case. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, and um, I don't know what Trump has told her. Uh, evidently, you know, he treats her like a daughter. Yeah. So he he coddles her, and he's kind of like a a, 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 a parental figure or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh-huh. you know, and yeah. Well, I don't think they're doing it. I really don't. Yeah, but, well, because it's so gross for us to think of Trump having sex. Yeah, with but anybody. I just I don't think that she is. I I mean, I could be wrong, but I just I doubt it. Right. Um, I mean, unless he's paying her huge sums of money, I I just don't think that that's happening. But regardless, I I think that um, I think that she is definitely somebody who is. I don't like that word victim, but it's true. She is a victim of the patriarchy. Yeah, and I think the patriarchy is part of the reason why she's involved in all of this shit. Although, I mean, I know she was working for Ralph Lauren. She was a Ralph Lauren model, and then she went to work for Ivanka, and and then through this working for Ivanka, she got this job. Right, and um, so you know, all that said, she should have. It's like Joan Walsh wants her Walsh wants her to be treated with you know special uh, she wants special treatment like poor hope. Yeah. No. There none of these people deserve special treatment. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're a pretty girl and and, and this just brings me to um you know there there's all this I'm a feminist and I am a generation X feminist. Right. Uh I'm I'm not, you know, there there's the second wave feminists and then there's like the new crop, which I kind of feel like I'm in the middle of the new crop and the second waivers. Yeah. Um, and there's all this talk of intersectional feminism, which is basically being inclusive to women of all colors or people, I should say, of all colors, because feminist feminism isn't just about women, it's just gender equality. But it's recognizing uh black and and uh women of color, black women, women of color, um, and letting them be part of the conversation because, you know, back in the um, Seventies, there it was a little bit. You, even back the first wave of, of feminists, like the suffragists, when they were trying to get the right to vote, black women were basically silenced. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think part of that, not all of it, was fear 
that if the white men saw the black men, uh, the black women alongside the white women marching, we, we might not get as far as we got because the black women scare them even more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but, but those days are over. You know what I mean? It's like, we're not, we're not in the 1900, like the early 1900s anymore. Yeah. So anyway, I think what, what Joan is doing is behaving like that second wave feminist. And, you know, like the, because the, the term white feminist is, is kind of getting a, you know, it's getting beaten up because yeah. there's there's a lot of white feminists who don't necessarily get it. Yeah. And I think Joan is, is is a little blind in this area right now of, you know, because I'm going to guess if Hope Hicks was a black woman, I don't think she'd be saying this. And I don't think she's being racist. I'm not saying Joan Walsh is being racist. I'm saying she's favoring Hope because Hope has parents who are Democrats. Hope is a pretty young woman. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you know, Joan feels sorry for her. Yeah. Did yeah. she feel so? Did, would she feel sorry for her if she were a man? Would she feel sorry for her if, uh, you know, if Hope was a man? Would she feel sorry if Hope was black or wouldn't that be Asian? Weird? Wouldn't that be weird if Hope Hicks actually was a man? <laughs> well, I love that Molly Jong Fast re- refers to her as trash raccoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Hope Hicks is uh, I don't know that she's stupid. I just no, I don't think she's stupid. She doesn't know anything though. No, she's just she's not qualified for the position she's in. Yeah. And I think she just derps. I'm not qualified for that position. (laughs) And you know, and it's like she she uh Well that's the difference between normal people and the Trump people. The Trump people, when they're completely unqualified for something, they do it anyway. Right. But other people when we're unqualified for something, you say, you know what, maybe get someone who's better qualified. Well and she clearly has a loyalty pledge. Yeah. You know, she's pledged herself to Donald Trump and so she's gonna do everything in her power to protect him and I don't know what she tells herself at night I don't know how she can justify any of this mm-hmm. but you know that's for Robert Mueller to decide yeah. you know, and there's a <laughs> meme going around where uh, someone compares Hope Hicks and Melania Trump uh-huh. where they're basically wearing the same thing and their hair is extremely similar and you know it's, it's not a surprise if you were to, to look at those two pictures and go it's kind of Trump's type, isn't it? The Hope Hicks and you know. Well, I'm looking... sure she's Trump's type, but yeah. I, I, again, I mean, it's hard for me. You know, there's that rumor just going off a little bit that Nikki Haley is having an affair with Trump, and there's a lot of people out there who are pissed off at that rumor because they're Morning Joe, particularly. Yeah, it, well, it's suggesting that um, in order for Nikki Haley to have that position, she had yeah. to have sex for it. Right, and and I can understand that it's infuriating um, that suggestion, which came from Michael Wolf. Mm-hmm. Who wrote Fire and Fury? Yeah. That's his. Again, I can't see that. I, can I. I can't see Nikki Haley no. doing that. No, and Nikki Haley is. I mean, she's not completely unqualified. No, I mean, she's, she's the, not. the governor of South Carolina for a, a good long time. There, this doesn't necessarily mean she's got uh, she's got foreign policy or diplomacy chops at all. But I mean, she's she's not a complete idiot. No. I, mean, I mean, I disagree with Nikki Haley on everything, and she's just as guilty as the rest of the Trumpers. But to say that she's somehow incapable of doing government work is just, I think, and, and to suggest that she's you know going in the back door and yeah. basically blowing the president, I, I don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, okay, and I don't think Hope Hicks is doing it either. I think it's more of that mater- the the paternal daughter. You know, he 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 just loves beautiful women. She's a beautiful woman, and um, she kisses his ass. Right, right. Yeah. Well, as as, as most people do. With because Donald I Trump. think she, I think more than anything, she just saw the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone around Donald Trump is just there in the feeding frenzy. That's yeah, they're all so looking. People... You know, they're all looking for what's in it for me angle, and um, 
I think that's basically as far as it goes with Hope Hicks. What's in it for me? How can I, you know, parlay this into something that will be lasting throughout my life? Yeah, it's like an Ouroboros of ass kissing going yeah. on. It's like a, the the human centipede of ass kissing <laughs> in the uh, in the Trump White House between Trump wanting it so much and everybody giving it to him so yeah. much because because uh, hey, hey Hope, how good am I? <laughs> Exactly right. All right. On that note, one last break. We'll wrap up the show right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. It's going out to Carter Page. It's Rockwell. Somebody's watching me on the Bob Seska Show. Hey, everybody, good morning to you. I'm just an average fan. See, I can still do it. I can still do the DJ thing. I just want to sing, and I, I can't sing. Everybody would be really upset if I started doing that. <laughs> so what do you think of Joe Kennedy? I like him. I'm not ready to start screaming 2020. Well, the uh, the people, the, the the liberals with the purity test. The Fuck them. You know what? I don't. I am so sick and tired of this shit. Oh my god! And it's like I have I, I have no patience. No patience. <laughs> this is why we lose. Yeah, yeah. They've already started in on Joe Kennedy. The purity test has begun with Joe Kennedy. The uh, the Greenwald left. The uh, the. The uh, the Bernie people are going after Joe Kennedy as being a shill, as being a whatever. Well, they're not going to be happy unless they have Bernie, period. Yeah. And then he's running. He's going to run. Excuse me, I'm talking. So, you know, um, whatever. I- I- I'll vote for-, for Bernie if he is the uh, <laughs> if he's the candidate in 2020. Yeah. I'm probably not. I know I'm not going to vote for him in the primary. Right. So, um, but you know what? 2020 is far away. I think Joe Kennedy is great. I think that he, you know, I, I, I understand the argument against dynasties and all of that. But when I look at him and listen to the things that he says, I think he's totally, um, you know, current. Yeah. You know, he I think he, he passes my purity tests. And I'm pretty, you know, look, I, I was a very strong Bernie supporter mm-hmm. in the primary. Um, I supported Hillary in the general. I I don't like to get into anymore this this constant fight about the two of them. I what I try to do is look at the benefit. What did they bring to the table? Yeah. And I've said this before, they brought a lot of new people running for office, whether it's young people or women. Um, there was certainly a divide. I blame a lot of that on Russia. I know that there were people that did not like Hillary who were not 
influenced by, or maybe not, that's the wrong word. There were people that just didn't like Hillary no matter what. Mm-hmm. If yeah. Russia never interfered or if the GOP never smeared her, they just didn't like the way she chose to to govern. Right. And that's fair. You don't have to like her. You don't have to like the kind of Democrat that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and the same thing can be said for Bernie. There were people that didn't, that don't like how he conducts himself. Yeah. Um, but... I'm just so sick and tired of this, these two camps, <laughs> I know. you know, and, and I it's going to keep going. Yeah. Um, but as far as what I think of Joe, I think Joe is, uh, I, I don't, even though he is, yes, a Kennedy, I don't look at him as somebody who's like the dynasty. It, I, I see him differently. He's a new generation. Yeah. He's Kennedy, a new generation Kennedy. I, not, I don't think he falls into the old generation Kennedy. I just, I think he needs to bake a little while yeah. longer before he's presidential material. He's a little bit, uh, you well, know. you know, we're so hungry right now for, or um, a new president. Yeah. So, but we just need to focus on the midterms. Well, yeah. And then along those lines, the main thing is not the purity test. The main thing is, can this Democrat beat the Republicans? Because right now we're starting to look at the uh, the Democratic primary process. Well, the pri- the primary process for the midterms in general, Republican and Democrat. And what's happening is, is people are starting to say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know about Iron Stash. I don't know about this other one because, well, are they going to vote the right way? You know what? It doesn't matter. Iron what, Stash is Randy Bryce, by the way. Randy Bryce. The, the thing that you have to remember, most of all, the, the Democrats that I think need to be supported are the ones who are polling best against the Republicans. Those are the well, ones. Well, but their argument, the far left argument is, well, well, the Democrats have handpicked them and they're getting all the And it's like my <laughs> argument about that is take a look at fucking Bernie. Yeah. Bernie figured it out himself. Mm-hmm. Whether you like the man or not, um, he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it's not that he came out of nowhere. He's been in the Senate forever. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he decided to run. No one thought that he was going to go as far as he did. Yeah. So for all of the people who are complaining that the Democrats picked their shiny candidate and that the, at the, the, the other candidate can't get any play, well... That's exactly what Bernie did. Yeah. You know, the the Democrats picked Hillary as their shiny candidate and Bernie gave her a real run for her money. So right now in our social media existence, if you've got ideas and, um, you know, if, if your message resonates with voters, it's going to come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't care how much money the Democrats put behind or how many ads they do. Um, if somebody has you know, that, that, uh, inspiring message or whatever it is that makes a candidate popular, they're going to rise up. If they don't, they don't. And, and anyway, welcome to fucking politics. <laughs> yes. Holy hell. Really? I mean, all it comes down to as far as, uh, as far as my qualifications for who should be running in the general election in the midterms on the democratic side, which, which democratic candidates, all 435 of potential democratic candidates running the general. And then on the Senate side too, here are the two things. One, can they beat the Republican Two, Will they caucus with the party? Mm-hmm. Will they caucus with the Democrats once they're in Congress? Those are the main two things we have to look at. We can shape policy by applying pressure uh, w- once they're in office. I think that has got to be, and these are special circumstances. Certainly you want to apply pressure on your issues in normal times. We're not in normal times. We're not in normal circumstances. The priority right now has got to be to not only block Trump, but rebottle 
all of this bullshit that he's released into the world to make it more difficult for a future Donald Trump to rise in, in to the presidency and to b- potentially have a Donald Trump who isn't such an incompetent boob who can actually, you know, a, a Donald Trump who would do all of these horrible things but under a more competent, smarter mm-hmm. persona, which is terrifying. Yeah. So all of this stuff has to be blocked and then rolled back. And that's going to require a Democratic House and Democratic Senate. Democratic Senate's going to be more difficult to achieve. But uh, we have to find the people who are most likely to get us to that point where there is an actual check on Donald Trump's power because we're not seeing it now. And what's terrifying me most about what's going on this week and a little bit last week and certainly uh, augmenting as we move into the future is that there really doesn't seem to be a Republican check on Donald Trump. No, there There, isn't. Unfortunately, we can't expect it. Yeah, and and it's just terrifying to me that this is going on and no one in the Republican Party is saying, you know what, obviously there are a few Republicans here and there, but generally speaking... Republican leadership isn't going, all right, you know what? We need to we need to start thinking about the nation here. We need to start thinking about law enforcement here. We need to start thinking about protecting the FBI and not indicting them in order to protect this unpopular, incompetent doofus in the White House. Yeah, and what's really scary, and it's been pointed out on you know many shows on MSNBC, is that um, the this discrediting of the FBI is so dangerous because yeah. you know there are people right now in investigate FBI and agents investigating child trafficking they're yeah. investigating bank robbers right they're investigating just normal everyday Inter- crimes international crime corporate crime right so then when you've got juries set up they're not going to trust fbi agents nope nope and this is not. extremely dangerous yeah it's god it, it's what what's happening right now has the potential to be so damaging to all kinds of institutions because as Donald Donald Trump's not going to stop with the FBI. Donald Trump thinks if Donald Trump gets the taste in his mouth, uh, if he can taste the blood, he's going to continue to move down the line. Maybe next it's going to be this other agency, maybe it's going to be the CIA, maybe it's going to be the NSA, maybe it's going to be the judges, maybe it's going to be you know, there's all kinds of potential for Donald Trump to start swinging his dick around and knocking over all kinds of stuff. Well, it'd be have to be small, very, very small <laughs> things, but still he would he would start knocking shit over. And and that's my big concern is that uh, it's going to move well beyond if this succeeds with the Nunes memo in undermining Mueller, undermining the FBI, Donald Trump ain't stopping there. Yeah. He's going to absolutely keep But hey, going. we can still remember and feel good about the fact that New York uh, Attorney General Eric Schneiderman is also on this. Yes, and I hope, you know what? I'd like, I'd like to hear something more from Schneiderman's office. Well, I think it's kind of cool that he just stays quiet. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, maybe some sign of reassurance yeah. <laughs> that he's serving as well, a backstop. Well, right I think right now it's best that, you know, he's just kind of sitting there watching because we don't, we don't have the memo out at this point. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's not the, I think it's, it's going to get a lot worse. You know what I mean? Like things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. And oh, I don't, I, agree. I don't think that, uh, I think it's good that Schneiderman's just keeping a low profile. Well, hang on tight folks, because, uh, yeah, Kimberly's exactly right. It's going to get, uh, it's going to get crazier and crazier. The closer we get to Donald Trump, uh, uh facing the music for all of this. I think that, I think we're looking at a, a, a crazy eruptive spring. Yeah. Jeez. No shit. All right, uh, some plugs here at the end of the show. Uh, let's see. Jen Kirkman's tour dates can be found at jenkirkman.com. 
Uh, Buzz Burbank is at buzzburbank.com and at Michael J. Elston. Jody Hamilton's at from-the-bunker.com. Jackie Schechner is at investigaterussia.org. And you can expect lots of updates over there. Of course, the Stephanie Miller Show can be found at stephaniemiller.com and at Steph, Steph Miller Show. Uh, Kimberly Johnson, thank you for joining me today. Very and I'm KimberlyAJohnson.com, Kimberly which a. is Kimberly L-E-Y. Patreon.com slash start me up for Kimberly's podcast and at author Kimberly on Twitter. And David Ferguson, get well soon, buddy. Yes, He's still uh, recovering. He's trying on his new nicotine patches as he quits smoking and quits salt and all those things after after his uh, T-Rex uh, heart attack over the weekend. He's found at Facebook.com slash ban and at T-Rextasy. All right, the uh, post-mortem show is coming up next. My fight with Jack Posobiec is uh, going to be the centerpiece of the post-mortem show. We're running way long, so we're going to take a, a, a quick breather here as the music plays. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye.